Good morning, Grace Church. It's great to see you today. I'm so glad that you chose to spend some of your weekend with us. And I hope you had an awesome time this past week celebrating the 4th of July with friends and family. And just maybe you got some good food in and maybe some beach time or some pool time. But I know it was, it was a nice time for us to just be together with family and just to be thankful for the freedoms that we have. So thanks for being here today. We have a great message in store for our service today. We had just finished a series um, the last week called Elisha. Pastor Aaron led us through an incredible series about Elisha, and it was all about big faith, that we need to have big faith, that we need to just step out and believe for big things. And so many examples through that series of people stepping out in big faith, and, and it's awesome. And so if you weren't here and didn't have a chance to hear those messages, I want to encourage you to take your phone out right now and make a note of that. Write that down. Take, take notes, say, hey, listen to the podcast from Elisha series. Just write that down, right? Because our, our phones are so helpful to us, right? They can be such a great tool for reminders. I don't know about you, but I load tons of reminders in, in my calendar. I tell my calendar to alert me all the time because, you know, it's, life is busy, right? We have like 400 things to do in a day, and there's a few of them that I'm probably going to forget, right, unless I put an alert in my phone where it's like, hey, make sure you do this, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right. So, But our phones can be so helpful, right, unless they're not working quite, quite right. Has that ever happened to you? Am I the only one who's had phone problems? Have you ever noticed somebody will post on social media, phone isn't working right now, send me a message. You know, if you need me, message me. That kind of thing where somebody's phone just isn't working right. Well, I've had that. I've experienced that before. One, one of the phones I had... The, the screen just wasn't responding right when you touched it. So some, something in the sensors wasn't quite right. So like if I touched it on the bottom, it would do something like I had touched the top or vice versa. It was just all messed up, right? And so one time I was actually on the phone with somebody. They called me and, and I was like, hello, hello. And they're like, are you there? Hello, are you there? And I'm like, yes, I'm here. I can hear you. Hello, hello. And they couldn't hear me. They kept saying, hello, hello. And I'm like, yes, I hear you. And finally, they, they just hung up on me. Well, I looked at my phone, and, and the mute button was on. And I was like, I didn't push the mute button. Why is the mute button on? So I'm trying to unmute it, right? But the screen isn't responding to me. So frustrating, right? So frustrating. If you've ever had that happen, I'm sure I'm not the only one. But that mute button, it just it made that so difficult. I, they couldn't hear me. I could hear them. And I think sometimes we can be in that place in our relationship with God, that we either have the mute button on or we feel like maybe the mute button is on on God's end because we're not hearing from him. We don't think he's hearing us, right? And so I think a lot of times we can feel like we're in this place in our life. And so today we're going to be talking about our prayer life and what that looks like. And, and some of you may have said, when I, when I talked about that, you may have said, yeah, I've experienced that. I feel like the mute button is on. And so today, no matter where your prayer life is, maybe you don't have a prayer life. Maybe you aren't sure how to pray, or maybe you do pray sometimes, and maybe you have a really great prayer life. No matter where your prayer life is today, we're going to learn some tools and some great things to take it to the next level. We want to take our prayer lives to the next level because prayer is so 
important in our walk with, with God. It's so important. And honestly, it is the first thing that we should be doing. The very first thing. But sometimes it ends up down the list of priorities, right? We do all these other things first and we try to solve our problems on our own or just take care of it or talk with somebody else, right? And we're not going to prayer first when we actually should be praying first. This church is a church of prayer. It's so important to us. And it's been the foundation of this church. And so we want this, we want prayer to be a foundation for you in your life as well. So important. And God is moving among us and and calling us to have big faith. And so one of the ways that we can actually implement that in our life is through prayer. So we want you to be equipped. We want you to be able to do this in your life. And so, but we're also going to make sure that we are praying first. It should be the first thing we're doing. And so how would your life change? How would your day change if first thing in the morning you woke up and you said, good morning, God, such a great morning. Good morning, I love you. I I can't wait to live this day for you. How would your day change? How would your life change if you prayed first? If you told him, look, I'm going to dedicate this day to you. Maybe before you go to bed, the, the last thing you do before you close your eyes, you say, God, thank you for this awesome day. You were with me and you helped me in, in lots of different areas today. And I'm so thankful. Thank you, God. I pray that I would sleep well. What would happen if we just prayed first before we got up in the morning, before we went to bed, before we ate, before we had that conversation with that person that we need to have, before we send the email that we need to send, before we answer the phone, before we send our kids out the door for school, what would happen? How would our life change if we prayed first? So we're going to make a commitment before we do anything. We're going to pray first. There's a passage in scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And so how do we do that? How do we never stop praying? That may just not make sense to you in your mind. You may be saying, well, I have a job. I have to go to work. I have to talk to people at my job all day long. I have to answer the phones. I have to go in the grocery store. I have to take care of my kids. So how is it that I never stop praying? That doesn't make sense to me. I can't just be like, Lord, blah, 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 praying all all the time, right? Well, it's more than just what you're saying. We're going to choose that this is going to be our life, our lifestyle. And so whatever we're doing in life, we're just going to pray about it. We're going to stop and we're going to pray about it. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to be in a constant dialogue with God all day long. But we're going to bring him into everything that we're doing. And we're going to pray about it. We're going to pray first. We're going to first pray and then act, right? But a lot of times what happens in our life is we want to act first and then pray So something happens or something upsets us and the first thing we want to do is run to somebody and talk about it 
or run to our spouse or run to a friend or try to handle it ourselves and do all this stuff, right? We, we always want to act first and then pray about it later. But God wants us to pray first. Our first response should be prayer to everything, to everything we do in our life. So prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And honestly, I would say of any time, now is the time for us to rise up and pray even more than we have ever been praying. Our world, our country is in trouble. There is moral decay decay and moral decline all around us. There's divisions. We're fighting and we're arguing and we're disagreeing about everything. There's tragedies happening all around us. Just huge earthquakes just happened over in California the last few days. I mean, there's persecution of Christians around the world, but also in the United States. And there's human trafficking happening all around us. I could go on and on and on. But if there was ever a time for us to rise and pray, now is the time. Church, now is the time. It tells us in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. then... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Now is the time to pray. Now. And you might say, well, I get that. I understand. But I just, I don't feel like praying or you may be one of the people here this morning I referred to earlier. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Nobody has ever taken the time to teach you how it is that you should actually pray. And so you're just not sure, so you just don't do it. Well, today is the day that is going to change for you. You are going to learn how to pray and to pray first today. This is going to just be revolutionary in your life and in your prayer time. And if you are one of those people that's here this morning and you have said, I just don't know how to pray, or maybe you took the time to ask somebody, how do you pray? You are not alone. You are not alone. Jesus' own disciples asked him that very same question. Jesus' disciples the ones that were with him day in and day out, you know, from sunrise to sunset, they were with him all the time, watched him. They asked him that very same question. So we're going to take a look at that in Scripture today and what that actually looks like. And in Luke 11, 1, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so if we stop and ask ourselves, why would the disciples who were with Jesus every day ask him to teach them how to pray? They were with him all the time. They heard him pray numerous times. So why in this particular instance would they ask him to teach them how to pray? Well, I believe 
that the disciples did know how to pray. They were praying. They prayed for people. They prayed with Jesus for people. They, they prayed on their own without Jesus for people. Like They knew how to pray. I believe there was a reason why they said that to him. In this particular passage, it said Jesus was in a certain place praying. So he was away from the disciples praying, and they were off on a distance a little bit, and they were looking over and watching him praying to his father. And so they saw him have this communication with his father in heaven. They saw him encountering his father and they saw this relational thing happening and they saw that Jesus was praying to his father with power and with purpose. And he saw that connection that, that Jesus was having with his father. And I believe the disciples were, were saying to themselves, whoa, I, wanna, I want that. Whatever has, is happening over there right now, I want that. How do I get that? I believe they knew how to pray, but I believe they wanted to learn how to connect with the Father the way Jesus was connecting with the Father. I think they saw something that they didn't have in their own prayer life, and they were like, I want that one prayer. Been with someone who's prayed. Maybe you've said that to yourself. Maybe you've seen someone pray or been with someone who's prayed, and, and you've thought, wow, I, I want to pray like that. That's what I think the disciples are, are, are communicating here. And so Jesus is going to teach them exactly how to do this. And he uses this outline of the Lord's Prayer, which you may have heard of. It's a beautiful prayer that is written that a lot of people recite. And we can actually just recite it and use it as a prayer. It's a very beautiful prayer. Um, I, I know it by memory, and, and it's a great thing to know. But we are actually going to break that down because in each part of the Lord's Prayer, it is going to teach us that there's something that we actually need to be doing in our prayer time. Not just saying it, not just reciting it, but there's something for us to be doing. And that first thing in the prayer, it says, Our Father in heaven. And so we are to connect with God relationally. And I believe this is something the disciples were seeing when they saw Jesus praying to his father, I believe they saw this relational connection between Jesus and his father, and they wanted it. And so this is something that we need to have in our relationship with God as well. This is not something formal that should be happening. Oh, our father in heaven, thou most holy and gracious one. It's not a formal thing that, that he's teaching us to do. It, it's about relationship. It's about relationship. These disciples saw this relationship happening, and they wanted it. And so this is the first part of what we should be doing in our prayer time, is connecting with God relationship in a relationship. You know, as a parent, you may have experienced this with your own child. I know I have the joy of raising a, few teen a couple teenagers right now. I have three kids. One's not quite a teenager yet, but... I know it's coming quickly, but I have two teenagers, and so I have the joy of raising these teenagers, right? And, and you may not have teenagers if you do, or if you've had teenagers, you're going to understand this. But a lot of times when you interact with your teenager, it's basically, hey, mom, can I go in so-and-so's house? Hey, mom, can I go here? Can I do that? Do you have any money? Can I get some money? Can I do this? You know, I really need this, or I need that. I need a new pair of shoes. I need that. Like, that's the main like communication we have you know with our teenagers right it's always about them going somewhere needing something or whatever 
So when your teenager or one of your kids actually comes up to you and says, hey, mom, how are you doing today? What's going on? What, what, what are you doing? You're like, mm, what do you want? What, what exactly do you want? How much money is this going to cost? <laughs> That's your first response, right? Because you're like, what is going on? Like, this doesn't normally happen. And so you just kind of stand there for a minute, and then they say it again. Well, how are you doing? Um, something must be wrong with you. Come here. Let me take your temperature. You must be running a fever. <laughs> and, and they're fine, right? So, like, you're just going, what's the deal? And you finally realize that, no, they're just coming to ask you that question because they care about you. They want to know how you're doing and, and how your day is going. That is a very rare occurrence for a teenager. But let me tell you, when it actually happens, you are floored and you are like, what? Oh, my gosh. And immediately, as a parent, your heart is so full of love and just gratitude to that kid that you would give them the world if they asked for it in that moment. I mean, it's happened, you know, when one of my kids says something nice or sweet to me or comes to care about me, I'm like, what do you want? I'll give it to you, you know? The, the same is the case for our Heavenly Father. When we connect with Him relationally, when we come to Him and just say, Father, I just love you so much. I love that you're my Father. I love that I can come to you. I just love my relationship with you. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for being my Father. When we do those kind of things, the same thing happens with our Father. His heart is just overflowing with love towards us. We are taking the time to connect with Him relationally. It's so important. God wants to connect with us relationally. And so you have to ask yourself, have you come to Him just to connect with Him, just to be with Him? Because this should be the first thing that we're doing in prayer. Because we are actually his sons and his daughters. We're not just random people to him. No, we are his sons and his daughters. It tells us that in Romans 8.15. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, we call him Abba, Father. He's our Father. And so we don't just come to him and run to him with our list of things that we need. And this may be where you have been in your prayer life, where you have only come to God with the needs. Or maybe you've only come to him when something big happens or when something is wrong or when you're upset. Maybe that's the only time you ever talk to God. And I'm telling you, you have to make a shift in your relationship with God. You've got to start connecting with him relationally. This is the first thing we should be doing because he's our father and we are his son and his daughter. And if you're a parent, you get this. You understand this. You just want your son or daughter to connect with you relationally. God is saying the same thing. Just come and let's just be together. Some of you, you struggle with this part of God, seeing God as a father. Because maybe you didn't have a father 
Maybe you did have a father, but he wasn't very compassionate or loving. Or maybe your earthly father hurt you. And so now, when you look at God, you are looking at him through the lens of your earthly father. And that's making it difficult for you to connect with him relationally. How we view God matters. It matters in our relationship. And some of you are, are still in a mindset where you think God is just sitting up there waiting to clobber you on the head. Well, we have to shift that thinking so that we can connect with God relationally like a father, like a loving father that he is. That is who he is. And if you're looking at him through the lens of your earthly father, you've got to remove that and you've got to see God for who God is and who the heavenly father that he is. Because we are his son and daughter and he wants us to connect with him. We shouldn't be going to him afraid just as that scripture said, we don't have to go to him fearful. No, we are sons and daughters. The next thing in the prayer says, hallowed be your name. And so we are to worship his name. And so it's not just a phrase that we're to say. We're not just supposed to say, oh, I worship your name. I worship your name. No, this is something deeper than that. We are worshiping God. We are worshiping who he is, and he actually wants us to call on the different aspects of his name because there's, there's so many aspects of who God really is. And sometimes we are not, we are not tapping into some of those things. There is, there's amazing things in store for us that, that God has for us, and we're not even tapping into some of those because God, God is our righteousness. He's our sanctifier. He's our healer, our banner of victory, our shield, our peace, our provider. Those are all a part of who God is. Those are all names of God. And when we're not calling on those names, we, we're not tapping into all that God has for us. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm sick, I, I'm calling on God the healer. I'm like, God, you are my healer. You are the one who can heal me. That is part of who you are. You are my healer. So when we're not calling on those names of God, we are missing out. There is power that God has for us that we need to make sure we're tapping into. Sometimes, since I have three children, sometimes I'll tell one of them to kind of, you know, deliver a message to the other two just to, to save myself some time instead of running through the house trying to find three different kids and telling them the same thing, right? You mean, those of you that are parents, you've done this too. Hey, you know, you tell one, go and tell your brothers, you know, it's time to get cleaned up, time to get ready for bed, clean your room up, get your teeth brushed. And so you tell the one, and then that one goes to tell the other ones, right? Just, you know, time saver, you know, it's, it's a messenger, right? Um, so I'll tell, tell one of my kids that, and they'll go deliver the message. And they may go to their brothers and they may say, hey, it's time to, to clean up our rooms and get ready for bed, you know, it's, it's that time. And the other brothers are like, whatever, who are you? You're not in charge. You know, and they kind of just roll their eyes and ignore them and go back to doing what they're doing, right? But if that one child goes to the brothers and says, hey, mom said... It's time for us to clean up, to get ready for bed, put our things away, brush our teeth. 
they go, oh, okay, sure, yep. Because that one said, mom said, they carried the authority of the name. And that is the same thing with God. We carry the authority of God's name, but only if we use it. We're not carrying authority in his name unless we're using it, unless we're calling that out. So we want to be declaring who God is, and we're carrying that name, and that name has power, and it's unleashing that power when we call upon that, when we use that name. The next thing in this prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we are to pray his agenda first. Pray his agenda first. And you might be sitting here saying, well, what, what is God's agenda? I'm not even sure I really know that. Well, I will let you know today that God's agenda is other people, but especially lost people. God so loved the world. And so when we pray for those that are lost, those that are hurting, those that are far from God, then we are praying God's agenda because that is his agenda. His agenda is for lost people to be able to find him and to know him. And so we are to be aligning our heart up with God's heart, with what he truly wants. And so we take time to do that. And honestly, if you don't have a heart for lost people, maybe you just have kind of become desensitized. I feel like a lot of us Americans have. Because in all reality, most people in America have heard of God. They've heard of him. They've been invited to church. Maybe they even followed him, but yet have walked away. So you might be saying to yourself, well, you know, there's not really lost people necessarily around me. I feel like everybody in our community has heard of God, you know, kind of knows. And so that may be one thing that has begun to desensitize you to the fact that, no, there really is still lost people around you, and that is God's heart, and that is God's desire. And so part of what I do to keep this in the forefront of my heart and my mind is I pray, I say, God, please soften my heart towards the lost. Make it, make it something that I just long to reach the lost. God, I want to have your heart and your agenda for the lost. Let me see them the way that you see them today. Give me an opportunity to touch somebody today. So I actually pray that in my prayer time as I'm praying for those that are lost. I'll pray for specific people that I know that need God, but then I also just pray him to lead me to the lost and that they would stay on the forefront of my heart as I go about my day. Because I do feel like, as Americans, we are very desensitized to that. But ever since the beginning of time, God has been making a way and making a plan for those that are lost to find him. And so it's been his plan since the beginning of time. Once sin entered the world, once man fell and, and, and made that choice to allow sin in, God has been finding a way since then for lost people to come to him. And so that's his agenda, and we need to get that in our heart. And in fact, God is actually waiting to send Jesus to return for us until more lost people can find him. And it tells us in 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. 
No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So God is being patient so that more people can find him. So we need to be praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help me to reach the lost for you, God. That should be part of what we're praying. We line ourselves up with God's agenda. We seek his kingdom first, and then he moves on our behalf. The next part of the prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. So I'm not sure if you've followed along the progression here, but we connected with God relationally. We worshiped his name. We prayed about what is on his heart. We prayed his agenda. We've done those three things. And now we're to the place where we bring our needs to him. And so this may be one of the biggest shifts that you need to make in your time in prayer is maybe this one right here because you've been putting your needs at the top. You've just been going to God when you have a need. You've just been going to God when you've been upset about something. And so this may be the biggest shift that you need to make in your prayer time is connecting with God first, worshiping his name, praying his agenda, and then praying about your needs. Because God does care about them, and God wants to meet your needs. And by doing this, by putting God first and his agenda first, then we come to him with our needs. We're acknowledging, listen, I know you with everything. Everything comes from you. And so I'm coming to you with everything. Some of you don't bring your needs to God because you don't feel like they're big enough or you don't feel that you should because you feel like it's selfish. But God cares about you. He loves you. He wants to meet your need, and we need to bring it to him, big or small and all in between. If you're just praying about the big stuff and not the small stuff, then you're missing out. You need to be praying about everything. And some of you don't have something because you haven't asked. And you've told yourself it's not worth praying about. It's too small. God doesn't care about that. There was a time in our life when uh, we had our first child and he he was just getting to the phase where it was about time for him to move into a, a big bed. He was in his crib, but um, the process got bumped up a little bit because I found out I was pregnant with our second child a little quicker than I anticipated. And so I was all of a sudden in this place where I'm like, oh, I got to get a bed. He's got to get out of the crib because I've got another baby coming who needs that crib. And so we looked at our finances and we just didn't have enough money to buy a twin bed for our older son. So we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, you know, and, and so we just kind of talked it through and I said, well, worst case scenario, we could just find a mattress and put it on the floor and, you know, maybe he can start there. And, um, but I just began to pray about it to the Lord. I just said, Lord, you know, you know this need that we have, you know that we can't buy a bed right now and this other baby's coming and needs that crib. And, you know, so I just started bringing it to the Lord and was just believing God to help answer that need. So a, a little while after this, I was at church, and a, a lady in, in our church walked up to me, and she said to me, she said, hey, I just wanted to spread the word. I'm getting rid of a twin bed if you know anybody that needs it. 
And I just stood and looked at her and like tears start walling up in my eyes. And she was passing me along the information because she thought I would pass it along to an, other people or maybe I knew somebody that needed it, right? Well, that was me. I was the one in, in need. And so I just, I said to her right away, I said, wow, I'm like, this is such a big answer to prayer. I said, we actually need it. Our, our son needs to go in a big bed because the other baby's coming and all this stuff. And she just was like, well, awesome. I'm so glad. I'm glad I told you. And I said, it wasn't an accident you came to tell me. I was like, I've been praying about it. And so then she goes on to describe the bed, right? And she's like, oh, it's this wooden bed and it has a trundle. And if I had gone to the store to pick out what I wanted and was able to just purchase it, I would have bought a wooden trundle bed just like this. So I'm telling you, God cares. And God cares about the details. And if you don't pray about them, you're not giving him an opportunity to answer you and to show how much he loves you and to shower his blessings on you. So we pray about it. We pray about everything. The next part of the prayer is forgive us our debts as we forgive those or as we forgive our debtors. Um, We can also say forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And this part is getting our heart right with God and people. Get our heart right with God and people. We need to say out of Psalm 139, we need to say, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. There are things in us that shouldn't be there, and we need to bring those before God in our time of prayer. We need to receive his forgiveness for our sins, and then we are able to walk in forgiveness to other people and offer that forgiveness to others. And so I would say some of you may be stuck in the place where, first of all, you can't receive forgiveness from God because you don't think you're worthy and you think what you've done is too, too bad or too messed up that he can't forgive you. And so first thing is you need to work on receiving forgiveness from God, confessing your sin. We confess it before God. And I actually tell him what I did. And you might say, well, that's, you don't have to do that. He knows anyways. He, he knows everything. Yes, he knows everything. But I need to confess it. I need to admit I was wrong. I need to admit that I messed up. I need to admit my sin because that keeps me humble. That keeps me humble. And then I'm able to receive that forgiveness from God. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you that this is a new day. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And I get to start fresh and new today. Thank you. And so, God, now that I've received your forgiveness, I want to offer that forgiveness to others. God, there are some people that have hurt me. There are some people that have offended me. And so, God, I forgive so-and-so, and and I forgive so-and-so, and and I forgive so-and-so, right? We say their name just between you and God. We say their name, those people that have offended us. We offer them forgiveness. And then you know what else I do? I take it a step further. I say, God, would you help me to forgive People I'm going to encounter today, because guess what? Somebody's going to tick me off. I'm going to get mad at somebody throughout the day. Am I right? Hello, yes, all of us, right? So I'm already praying about it. I'm saying, God, help me today to walk in forgiveness as I encounter people, as maybe my patience is thin and and somebody irritates me. God, I want to be already walking in forgiveness towards them. Help me to forgive quick. 
I pray about that at the beginning of my day so that I'm going through my day. And when that, that happens, that moment that happens, I'm like, yep, I forgive him. I forgive him. And I'm able to just keep going. And then I'm not taking on all this resentment and unforgiveness, right, which is going to weigh me down. Walk in forgiveness every day. We receive it and we offer it to other people. In fact, another thing I do, I'm just giving you tips from, from what I've learned and what, what's helped me. Even if I'm driving through the community and I may even drive by somebody's house that maybe has hurt me or offended me, and I know, or maybe it's their business or something, and I'm driving by, every time I make sure I speak blessing over them. God bless them. Bless their business. Bless their family. Bless what, you, what they're doing in their lives. God, I know you love them and you want to use them. God, just bless them. I'm speaking blessing. I want blessing and forgiveness to come out of my mouth towards those people. We have to walk in forgiveness. The next part of that prayer says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And so that doesn't actually mean that God is leading us into temptation, but it's actually saying that we do not, God, we're saying, God, don't allow me to, me to be led into temptation. God's not the one that leads us there. But we're saying, God, do not allow me to be led into temptation. Because today, I'm going to have a chance to sin, and I'm going to need your help. And the only way I can face the temptation that I'm going to face today is with you. You're going to help me overcome the enemy. And we have to engage in spiritual warfare. Because if you don't know this yet, if you are not aware, if you are a Christ follower, the day you became a Christ follower, you also gained a number one enemy. And that is the devil. And he hates your guts. He hates my guts. He hates your guts. And he is working every day to destroy you. And if you are not engaging in spiritual warfare, if you are not coming against him, if you are not putting him in his place, then he has gained ground on you. And so every day, every day we engage in spiritual warfare. So for me, every day I tell the enemy, I say, you have no place in my life today. You have no place in my family. You are defeated. Uh, Jesus overcame you on the cross and he has victory and I live in that victory and I am victorious over you because of Jesus and you are defeated and you have to flee in the name of Jesus. You may not be a part of my life. You may not be a part of my day. I already tell you to leave. I are, and I also tell him, whatever you're scheming and whatever you're planning, I pray that that is exposed and that, that those plans are destroyed. Because he schemes and he plans and he knows how to do it. And so I call his plans out. He uses the same old tricks, you guys. He's got the same bag of tricks. He uses it all the time. And so I know what those tricks are, and I call him out. And I say, you're not going to lie to me today. You're not going to tell me I'm not worthy. You're not going to tell me that I, I can't do this. I am an overcomer in Christ. I am victorious. You are defeated, and you must flee. And I put him in his place. Because if we do that every day, we take more ground. And then we take more ground the next day and the next day. And we stay ahead of him. But if you're not engaging in spiritual warfare every day with him, then he's gaining ground on you. And we have to keep him in his place. You have the power to do it. You have the power to do it tells us in Ephesians 6.12 that we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
You have the power, you have the authority through Jesus that you can take authority over him and tell him to flee. You can confront him and you can tell him to leave. And so we're going to fight him every day. We're going to fight from victory. We already have the victory, so we're going to fight him from victory. The last part of this prayer says, Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And so we are going to express our faith in God's ability. We're going to express that faith. God has the ability to do everything that you have prayed about. He has the ability. We need to tell him that. We need to say, God, I believe in you. I believe that you can do all these things that I have prayed. I trust you. You are amazing. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is too big for you. And so all these things that I've prayed, all these things that I have declared, I know that you can accomplish by your mighty power. Do you believe it? Church, do you believe it? Yes. Yes. And so we need to reaffirm that to God. God, we believe that. That extends our faith. That puts our faith into action. We just came off that Elisha series where we learned how to have big faith. We're going to put it in action now through prayer. We're going to declare that. It says in Jeremiah 32, 17, Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing. Even that small, tiny thing that you didn't want to pray about because you didn't think God cared about it. Nothing is too hard for him, even that small, tiny thing. If you've spent time thinking about it, if you've spent time worrying about it, if you've had conversations about it, then you had better pray about it. Because we serve a God where nothing is too hard for him. And then we need to tell him, I believe you are who you say you are, and I believe that you can do what you say you can do. And I extend my faith and trust you that these things will be accomplished in your mighty name. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You need to declare that. So as we close today, let's stand on our feet. Let's stand on our feet. We're going to pray together right now. And some of you, I hope you have found a number of things from this message that you need to implement in your prayer life. Maybe you've had some things out of order. Maybe you need to just reorder and realign the way you're praying to make sure that they're purposeful and powerful. We're going to commit to do this as a church. We're going to commit to pray and to seek God's face like never before. Because now is the time, church, for us to rise up and pray, to humble ourselves and pray and to seek God's face. Now is the time. We want you equipped individually to do this. And then we want to be a praying church. We want all of us to be joining together because powerful things can happen when we seek God's face. So let's pray this morning. God, we love you and we worship you. We thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that you are a God who can do what he says he can do. God, we thank you that you are a God that we can put our trust in. 
God, we thank you that you are a God that we can put our faith in. God, we thank you that you are a God that we can bring our needs to, that we can pray about our needs, big or small, no matter what. God, we thank you that you care deeply about us as a son or a daughter, and you just desire to connect with us relationally. God, help us to seek your face every day. God, I just pray that a movement of prayer would just begin stirring right now in every individual in this place, God, and for us as a church, God. I pray that hearts would be stirred to pray like never before. God, that we would pray big prayers, that we would pray big prayers that require big faith so that you can move in a big way, that you can move mountains. And God, that you can show us that you are a miraculous God. So God, we just extend our faith and we just say, we trust you.